Hi, and welcome to Things They Don't Tell Black People About Law School. We are two first-generation cis Black women at a T20 law school. And we're here to share things that we wish we knew or things that we wish people talked about. This is just our perspective based on our experiences. And today we're going to be talking about the 1L summer job search, what it is, what you should be doing, and why it's important. So go ahead. (laughs) So first things first is what is a 1L summer job? What do people do during the summer um, and why is it always so talked about? Why do people care so much? So I didn't come in knowing that I would have to have a 1L summer job. Did you? Um, not necessarily. I have always operated from the standpoint of I need to have an internship if I'm in school during the summer. So for me, I like knew I was going to have something, but I didn't know it was as big of a deal as it is, you know? Yeah, same until I'm grateful that our school talked about it at orientation. And it's funny because our career center is in charge of that. And someone came up to me and they said, Hey, so what are your takeaways? And I said, well, sounds like I'm always going to be searching for a job. And even when I have a job, then I need to start searching for another job. And I think that pretty summed up my perspective of it. Uh, But it's, I mean, it wasn't as daunting as I think I made it out to be. Um, But before we get into that, Um, we should probably talk about like what it is and why it's important or why people put emphasis on it. Yeah. So I, um, think a great way to describe a 1L summer job is really just, it is, um, anything you do the summer after your 1L year, um, it is, um, highly important, not necessarily what you do, but it's important that you do something because mm-hmm. the summer after two L year is like the most important job kind of, because it's kind of like setting the groundwork for where you potentially and probably will be after law school. But in order to get a two L summer job, you kind of have to have something nice on your resume or something on your resume for the one all summer. So I feel like the pathways, they're kind of like three main pathways your 1L summer, like a big law summer internship at a firm or a firm internship in general, doesn't have to be big law necessarily, or um, like a public interest opportunity working in an organization or like government or something like that. Um, And then also like summer clerkships, working for judges, um, as well as like research, doing research for professors and faculty during the summer. I feel like those are like the main things people do. Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it. And most schools put a lot of emphasis on this because it weighs into their ranking. Our school has um, 100% of R1Ls get jobs for the summer. The school makes sure that you get a job. And I think that helps put my mind at ease. Like it is bad. It looks bad for them if I don't get a job. So they Mm -hmm. can't, they can't have that. Um, I also think just to add to what you were saying, it's important because it does give you real world skills. And if you haven't heard this already from other lawyers that, or not you, but if people haven't heard this from lawyers they've been connecting with, law school does not teach you how to be a lawyer. It teaches you how to think like a lawyer and how to analyze information. And I feel that 1L summer jobs are an opportunity to put that analysis that you learned into practice. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, And I think that kind of going off of like putting what you've learned or what you think you want to do into practice, I think it's um, important when thinking about like 1L summer jobs, like what did you come to school like wanting to do? Um, And like if you know you want to do something or if you are planning on doing something, trying to find like a 1L summer job that aligns with that Um, and just like figuring that out is super important. So So I used to feel like a sellout, but I have since let that go. But I came to law school to really help my community advance and do better by them. And that for me meant doing public interest. But as a first generation attorney, I wasn't really clear on what my options were for employment or what public interest even looked like. Um, So coming to law school, especially at a top tier school, they really push for students to be in big law. So uh, they actually had an inside joke. So I went to the career center and they're like, oh, what do you want to do? And I said, I came here wanting to do public interest, but I think I'm going to do big law now. And it was day three of school. And they had a joke. <laughs> they said, they, I think they said 72 hours. That's a new record. Um, <laughs> so with that being said, 
uh, I think for a while I was beating myself up that I wasn't going to go to the public interest route, but realistically for what I want to do and where I was at with in life, uh, public interest generally doesn't pay. They just don't have the resources. And it's really unfortunate because they do a lot of meaningful work. And I knew that in order to sustain myself or to continue to sustain myself through law school, because I'm not getting outside help, um, that big law job would mean a lot to me in, in terms of finances. So if you are considering public interest and you have to do big law to help sustain yourself, don't beat yourself up about it. That's some big advice that I have. But yeah, that's what I wanted to do. And I did end up getting a big law job at a top ranked firm and the money is nice. Uh, they paid market rate. That's $11,000 a month after taxes and you're there for 12 weeks. So it really helped me feel more comfortable in what I was doing. And also with how fast the setup, sometimes the money for books doesn't come in time. So it was mm -hmm. nice to have that. No, cushion. absolutely. Yeah, that big law cushion. So I could buy my books on time and really set myself up for the 2L summer. Um, but what did you want to come to law school and do? Uh, similarly, I came to law school um, really wanting to like do public interest, like help people. I actually didn't really know that there was like law outside of that. Like I was just like, if you a lawyer, you are either on the side of helping people or not on the side of helping people. And I mean, I guess big law is technically on the side of not helping people. But um, <laughs> I was like, I'm here for this, blah, blah, blah. And then like you, it was just like the money just is so good. Um, and also the opportunities and the like, just like the things that you can do in big law just seemed really interesting to me. Um, and like exploring the routes of that because I was really, culture is really important to me. And so mm -hmm. I didn't want to like big law when I did learn what it was, I was like, I don't want to be in a place where it's like everybody's wearing a suit. There's like one and a half black people and um one and a half one and a half the <laughs> quota they're feeling the quota and you know everybody's just like miserable everybody's cutthroat blah 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 you know like the stuff you see on tv and so I didn't want to do that I was like I want to I would love to be able to make this kind of money but I can't like be in a cutthroat horrible space so when I was able to find firms that weren't like that um, and like learn that there were other firms that did pay market, but didn't participate or buy into that culture, mm -hmm. that's when I really was like, okay, I think I can do this like big law thing. And I, I really looked into it further and like tried to find like a firm that felt like the right fit for me. Yeah. And I, I think also um, speaking, you reminded me of this is when you said doing research and looking into things. So one of the things that was really freaking me out when I started is, and we talked about this a little bit, but a lot of our classmates come into it with a job already secured or have lawyers in their network or their family. And I felt like I was lacking, but real in reality, I just wasn't tapping into all of the people that I knew. So the first maybe week, to, first week, second week of law school, I was making a lot of phone calls and I was sending a lot of emails and I was just talking to people who even hinted at the fact like, oh, I used to want to do public interest or I went to law school for public interest and I ended up doing big law. I wanted to learn more about those people and their decisions mm -hmm. um, because a lot of them actually ended up back into public interest. Mm -hmm. And in that process, I learned from a number of people, from judges. Um, I don't know why I said that so weird, uh, but <laughs> people who were working in the prosecutor's office, but they were saying that they learned that public interest, and this is not me knocking public interest, but Oftentimes they lack resources in a lot of different ways. And one core area is being able to really nurture students mm -hmm. in their and training and training. And uh, they, a couple of women actually let me know. They said, you know, I went to big law so I could learn what I needed to in order to really thrive in a public interest environment. Um, so I think it really helped me reframe what I was doing. And it wasn't, you know, me trying to make myself feel better about making a bad decision, but also I'm going to law school for myself. I'm investing in myself as well as my community, but I do believe you have to invest in yourself first, you know, put your oxygen mask on. first. <laughs> um, so, and being in big law, the amount of resources that they have is pretty incredible. And I did talk, I have talked to a lot of people at my firm and they, a lot of them share the same sentiment. You know, you will make a lot of money in big law or there's potential to make millions, like hand over fist, disgusting amounts of money. And I talked to a lot of junior and even senior associates who let me know that 
the amount of money they make, they realize that there is such a thing as enough. And a lot of people do have plans to exit big law within a few amount of years. And luckily I'm not at a firm that has a sweatshop culture, meaning Mm -hmm. they just work you to the bone, knowing that you'll probably leave in two years. My firm wants you to stay, which I appreciate, but I realize that I don't have to marry big law. I can use it as a way to springboard myself into something that is more community focused. I like that. Um, I think that it's important for people going into this process to just know kind of where they are and what they want to do. And so kind of taking a step back to like thinking about how to start applying for these opportunities or even knowing where to start. I think we were really lucky in the sense that our career center um, gave us a lot of resources and like places to start kind of, you know? Um, And so um, I think we can talk about some of those. So like, I think some of the biggest resources the career center gave was just kind of like a here are like some websites to go to, to look at like the types of firms that exist mm-hmm. in the world or the things to do. Um, here are some people to talk to. You mentioned like reaching out to people in your network um, that you knew personally, but I think uh, for students who may not have a network of people that they know, a really good way to start is with your school network. So like you go to a law school um, and there are other people who have gone to that law school before because there's no like new law schools popping up. So they're mm-hmm. alumni and a good place to start is like LinkedIn. Just reach out to alumni eh, who went to your school who might be studying something that you're interested in or not studying, sorry, working in something you're interested in or uh, work at a place that you're curious about. And, you know, just ask them if they'd have time for a phone call or an email or a quick coffee if you're in the same area. Um, just to kind of talk about what they do. Um, and I, I know a lot of people who that is what turned into a job for them, just like a reach out from LinkedIn or from a connection or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And I think maybe I should have mentioned that, but a lot of the people I connected with was through the Career Center. So I am not shy when it comes to reaching out to people, our Career Center. And pretty much what our Career Center is, is it's an office of, I want to say eight to 12 individuals. I should know this as an admissions ambassador, but it's about a dozen people and they are solely dedicated to making sure that students get jobs. They look at your resume, they look at your cover letter. They will actually make both of those items for you within reason. Mm -hmm. Don't bring them a blank blank sheet of paper and say, type my cover letter. Well, actually you you could- I actually legitimately really? I I did. Yeah. Um oh, I didn't. <laughs> I literally went to one of them and was like, I don't know where to start with my cover letter. And she was like, Okay, well send me your resume and let let's meet and talk a little bit. And she like mm-hmm. drafted up something. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, so so you, they you will actually they... can. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. Depending Um, on the depending on the time resources of your career center, like what they have available, the amount of staff they have on hand, they may be willing to do it. And the thing about it is their whole job is to get you a job. So like if they need to do something to get you a job, they will do it because that is that's how they keep their job. (laughs) And you, I I recommend that everyone use the Career Center. Uh, After orientation, which was my first experience interacting with them, they, and it was pretty clear, I'm going to need a job. I asked them what's the best way to go about, you know, making sure that I have time on their calendar to get my materials ready. And they said, well, some students will meet with us uh, every other week. I said, great, I'm going to meet with you every week at this time. Um, I've kind of met with two or three people until I picked one and I just stuck with her. Um, but I met with her for 30 minutes every week and that was to help on cover letters. And some people are probably thinking, well, if you have one resume and cover letter, why would you need to meet with somebody every week? Um, I knew that I either wanted to be in California, Illinois, or New York in terms of my summer position. And I had to make cover letters for each of those. And also in terms of the resume, uh, even if you do have work experience, a legal resume looks different than most other resumes. And it's important that you work with the career center to really whittle it down. Um, Nobody really needs, unless you have zero work experience, I don't really know how important it was that I worked at, you know, Forever 21 and 2000 and whatever. Exactly. Um, And I think going off of that, you also like, um, I, even though I knew big law was kind of the path, I wasn't a hundred percent sold on it. So in addition to having geographic cover letters, I also had area cover letters. So I had like a different cover letter for public interest Mm -hmm. opportunities Mm -hmm. I was applying for than I did for big law opportunities or for um, like in-house opportunities. Cause I did actually apply for some in-house opportunities as well. 
And so you do need different cover letters for all of those. Mm -hmm. And that's important. I did make them, but I didn't end up applying to public interest, as I mentioned, unfortunately. But um, I do think it's important, and I will say this time and time again, but everyone on that university's payroll is a resource to me. So I was Mm -hmm. not shy about setting up time. Our career center is also available on the weekends. You can set time up with them on Saturdays. Um, So if I needed something or if I had questions about something, I was not you know, nervous or timid to reach out. And I think it's important that to keep a mentality of this is a very expensive experience. I am investing in myself and everyone here is their job is to essentially help me succeed in some kind of capacity. So that's really how I approached the career center. Um, But in terms of some of the programming that they had, they had very early on programming and they, our career center sends out emails and things about what's going on and they would interview different people. And if I heard something that piqued my interest, then I would email that person or ask the career center for their email. That's another thing. The career center can connect you with people if those people have consented to connecting with students. And honestly, if they're speaking at a university, they probably want to connect with you. Um, But speaking of connections and you know, building those connections. There's different ways that you're able to do that. Our school has a couple of programs that they promote specifically, um, LCLD, the Diversity Fair, and OCI. Um, Do you care to talk about, which one should we talk about first? Yeah, um, I think probably LCLD uh, first, because LCLD is the Lingual Council for Leadership, or leadership council for legal diversity or the yeah sorry a little tongue-tied there um so essentially what it is 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 an organization designed to help increase diversity in the legal field and in addition to having like a list of firms that participate in their programs um, as part of diversity initiatives they also have something that they call a diversity mentorship program Mm -hmm. and a lot of students don't know about that but what it is is it's a chance for you to um I think it's the application is around September, October, but it's a chance for you from like September, October of your first year on to like however long you want to keep it, have a mentor um, that they've given to you. And it's someone, it could be based on the area that you want to be in, like the region you want to be in. It could be based on like what kind of work you want to do. It could be based on like a firm you want to be at. They'll ask you like different criteria. I was able to get a mentor who was working in the field that I was hope, will hope to be in one day. Um, and she was so helpful. She just helped me kind of like navigate the process of applying to things. She also talked to me just like about law school in general. Um, and so I would definitely recommend taking advantage of that program or programs like it that exist to help you um, like find mentorship and stuff like that. And then that can eventually lead to jobs. So um, LCLD also has a program that is um, it's not a direct application. But when you apply to a firm to be a diversity scholar um, as part of that firm's like 1L summer initiative, you can um, be a part of the LCLD program, which is a program during the summer um, Mm -hmm. that brings together um, students from all over the country who are working at these firms to learn skills and talk about things and things like that. So when you're looking at firms and you are a diverse scholar, you can look and say, "Mm, I wonder if they are a member of LCLD and that could help you like make a decision about whether you want to go to that firm or like what resources may be available. Exactly. And when we say diverse scholar, um, it's fairly broad, especially I would say at least at our school, we both identify as black. We're both women. Um, We saw a lot of women in general of all colors um it's it's extremely broad um which can be jarring sometimes when you enter in these diverse like diversity spaces quote unquote um and you see people who are you're like on immediate note you're like oh that's not diversity at all but you just never know what their diverse criteria is so just be prepared for that um, and then our school also has um what you mentioned which is the diversity expo so I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that and what that experience yeah. is like. So the Diversity Expo, at least our school, treated it as kind of a precursor to when LCLD opened. So the Diversity Fair for us was virtual, um, but it was an opportunity to speak with firms and how our school went about it is they sent us the list of firms that would be attending the Diversity Fair. I want to say it was hundreds of firms. It was a lot of firms. 
Um, and then at a certain point, they included the names of the firm of the people who would be there representing the firms. Um, it was a little overwhelming. So when I'm overwhelmed, I tend to organize. Uh, so they let us know that we could pick. It was, I don't think it was a lot, but we could pick uh, maybe a couple dozen firms that we wanted to speak to for slots. And it was, I think it was like in 20. a, yeah, I wanted to say it was about like 30, maybe like 20, but um, they let us meet with them in small groups in virtual, basically Zoom breakout rooms. Um, so it was probably three students to one attorney representative. So how I went about that is me and another student, we created an Excel sheet, uh, which was actually really great. So what I wanted to focus on when I was doing that search is where these firms had offices because I knew where I wanted to be, um, whether they had diversity on their website. And that seems like such a small thing, but if a firm is not going through the effort to put any kind of diversity initiative on their website, I probably don't want to work there because diversity is something that I care about. And then another added layer to that was not only do you have diversity on your website, but what are your initiatives? Are you promoting diversity? Um, are you highlighting black, black partners or partners of color? Um, and then the second thing that I looked at was practice areas or practice groups. With that being said, I was a student who came to law school not knowing what area I wanted to practice in. So I was fairly open, but I had an idea of what I didn't want to do, intellectual property. Um, I didn't want to do white collar defense. I don't think that's what the world needs right now. So if mm -hmm. they only offered practice, you know, um, expertise in practice areas that I wasn't interested in, then I kind of moved them to the side and put them second. But me and another 1L, we went through this list of firms of about 100 and plus firms, um, and we each put in what, where, what offices they had cities in. There was some overlap for us, so it worked out. And then we put in the practice groups, um, as well as if they had any international offices, because I may want to do international law. But with this Excel sheet, it made it way easier. So I was able to whittle down the firms that had offices where I wanted it and practice areas where I wanted. And then from there, I did a deeper dive of questions I could ask specifically about the firm. Hey, I see that you all have um, these diversity initiatives. Can you tell me more about that? Or you all did, uh, for Black History Month, you supported Black organizations through pro bono work and having them tell me more about that. I say all of this because this kind of research, and though it may seem time consuming, and honestly, it was time consuming, it really helped me stand out in the diversity fair. And that is how I got my job with LCL through as an LCLD scholar. I was in a room with uh, this firm, the firm that I was working at. And at the time, this was a couple of years ago, they were ranked number one for their summer law program. And I knew that. And a woman who was also in the room as a diverse student, her first question was, do you guys have a summer program? And <laughs> the law firm representative looked at her and she said yes and she said any more questions and I'm not I wasn't trying to you know make that girl look bad I think she did that on her own but I, I said hey I know that you all have the number one program in the country for summers and I'm wondering why that is and if you summered at the firm and she really liked that um, so she connected with me after the diversity fair and then they told me to apply as an LCLD scholar and that's basically how I got my job all this to say if your firm offers, if your school offers a fair, take advantage of it. Do your research, put in the work because it can pay off. And then it saves you a bunch of time and adds more time to your schedule where you can focus on school instead of getting a job. Yeah, that's all excellent advice. Like in any, honestly, if your school doesn't have something like that, any opportunity there is to interact with a attorney. Um, so whether it's like, the if your school has a full diversity expo absolutely but if it's like a um speaker coming to your school to talk about something else you know if it's um just any opportunity you have just be prepared in those conversations you know have mm -hmm. like a really solid question to ask because like your question was great especially comparatively so it's like any <laughs> just be prepared to have really solid questions and or just like really solid comments and you know that might make you stand out in a room full of people also trying to get a job you know yeah and I think it's important I I you know talk about my instance where I got my job fairly early on and it's not to brag but I know a couple of people last year also benefited from the diversity fair however this year's organization leaders and mentors I think this 1L class from this year not 
I don't think any of them in terms of like the black students, I don't think any of them got jobs from the diversity fair. Yeah, I think they also I don't know if they did like our listeners should do, um, which is I don't know if they heeded our advice. You know, I think um, it can be a bit overwhelming. It's super overwhelming to enter a space with. And we I think we were lucky enough to have it still be virtual when we did it. But Mm -hmm. when this year, when our school did it, it was in person. So it was literally like a room full of firms and you were just going table to table to table and I think it can be loud and overwhelming but I think that's where the point about having a good question or a unique question or a good comment or unique comment really comes through um, is just like no matter what space you're in you're just ready and you have something that'll make them remember you Um, and so I think it's tough um and it's not the only way. So another way that you can apply for jobs or find opportunities, which is a common way that most schools do it, which is something called OCI, which stands for on-campus interviews. And so that process is essentially where firms, organizations, um, government agencies, judges, anyone who would like someone who is in law school to come work for them come onto campus. I think a lot of schools still do it virtually. Our school did like a hybrid situation where they either come to campus or they do it virtually, but it's like a two week span of you submit your resume and your cover letter into this portal, um, essentially, and like rank where you would like to, who you'd like to speak to or who you'd like to speak to you. Um, and then based on that, the organizations, the firms, everyone gets all the students who submit it to them, they then look through those materials and then they offer you an interview slot based on that. Um, And so then you go into this interview, it's like 15, 20 minutes, they talk to you and then they come back later. And if they like talking to you, they'll offer you another interview, usually with a few more people um, involved. And then usually after that, you'll see if you get an offer. Now, since we've gone out of high uh, virtual mode, for the most part, now firms after that initial OCI screener interview, that's like the 20 minutes of getting to know you, a lot of firms, um, particularly not really organizations, unless it's local, will offer Mm -hmm. the opportunity to fly you out to come Mm -hmm. and interview with them in person. I think that's a really great segue to talking about the interview process. Like, Mm -hmm. what was your experience with the interview process? What kind of questions? Or maybe this could be a different segment, but so we can just kind of like skin the surface of it. But yeah, I think it's great to talk about. So um, I did for the application process, I did direct applications to firms and organizations on their websites. So um, that was different um, than the OCI process, but I also did OCI. Um, so the direct application process, you send all your materials in, they come back, they're like, oh, it looks great. Or it, sometimes they, you don't hear from them at all. But if they like it, sometimes they'll be like, oh, it looks good. We'd love to interview you. And I had some weird interviews, actually. I had one interview <laughs> for an in-house position that was actually a recording interview. So you're not being interviewed by someone. You actually record yourself answering interview questions. <laughs> And then I guess they go back and watch the video later. Um, And that was an interesting experience. Um, And then I had just like standard interviews. We were still pretty virtual during our um, 1L summer process. So most of them were via Zoom um, and just like talking to people, them asking you questions, you asking them questions. I think it's always good to have like one question or two prepared to ask the people who are interviewing you. That can also make you stand out. Um, And yeah, I think that was pretty much the process. Usually your first interview with an organization is going to be one person where they send someone in. A lot of times if it's a firm, they'll send in a young alum to interview you and like quote unquote screen you just to make sure you're not like um, completely off track from what they would like to have is a summer associate. Um, And then after that screener, um, then you'll usually interview with anywhere from three to I've interviewed with as many as like 10 people in a day. Um, Some of them are really intense. mm -hmm. Like, and some of the interviews, like even with the firm that I ended up going with, it was 15 minutes with 
I think it was two and a half hours. I'm terrible at math, but I, I felt like it was more than six people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, realistically in those 15 minutes, you're not getting to know someone on a very deep level and they're not really diving in. Um, but some firms will have you do, uh, there was one firm, they had me do an assessment beforehand, which was some of it was like, I don't want to say math, but it was more like logical thinking and logic games. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, they yeah. Did, yeah, like personality test, like how do you operate in this kind of environment? And that is their way of screening people. Um, in terms of screening, luckily, because of the interaction that I had at the diversity fair, that person, I had a call with them after the fair. And then the next call that I had was with a hiring partner. Mm-hmm. So she basically um, catapulted me to the higher up that had the final say. And within five minutes, the higher up was like, yeah, I was like, oh, would you like me to send you my materials before we start? And she was like, no, you you got it. You talked to me about volleyball. My daughter loves volleyball, which <laughs> is such a random thing, but it really helped me throughout the process. Um, but with that being said, in terms of interviews, you should definitely have questions prepared. Um, depending on what you're looking for at a firm, some firms really value culture, meaning they want to hire good people who intend on being there at a long, t- uh, like a good amount of time. And in order to want to work you know, at an office, you generally want to like the people that you're working with, not in a toxic, we're family, or I want to be your best friend kind of way, but more of, do you work okay in group settings? Um, are you respective or respectful? Um, so my firm was more of interviewing, like, what are your hobbies? What do you enjoy doing? Uh, what are some things that you dislike? In addition to some of the more basic questions around, um, what's your favorite class? Do you know what area you want to go into? Do you think you're going to work in big law long-term. Something that I got asked that I think is still to this day a really good question. Uh, Big law makes a lot of money, but why did you choose big law if you know that it's so so much work? Uh, Which is basically calling everybody out Mm -hmm. on the fact that you make a lot of money, but they want to know really like, why are you here? Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to ask meaningful questions. Do not ask if they value diversity, don't ask something flat, ask something that you gathered from a conversation with someone. And it is totally okay to reach out to people who are either alumni or in your network who work at that firm and ask them about that, the experiences that they had and refer to that in the interview. Now, depending on your relationship with the individual, you may not want to say, Hey, I talked to Jamal Johnson and he said, but I think it's okay to make note that you have put in some work. Um, I guess, in so I want to actually take a step back because you mentioned OCI and you also mentioned that you were interested in public interest. Um, what did your non-law firm path look like? Uh, what I wanted to do? Oh, I have no idea. But the interview, like the opportunities I was seeking for after like 1L summer, um, it was more- Yeah, like how did, how yeah. did you go about applying for those? OCI actually. Oh, for public interest? Yes. So yeah, OCI, I you do all, you can do, they, all organizations can go through OCI. I didn't know that. I didn't do OCI. So mm-hmm. this is, this is, I'm learning something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was also through OCI. You can also do direct applications. You can also do, there's an, um, oper- there's a public interest um, career fair during the fall of your 1L year um, that, is like a opportunity away a lot of it was, it's called the equal justice initiative um they have a career fair and so that's a way that a lot of public interest student or students interested in public interest also find opportunities but you can definitely do it through oci as well so it's the same process okay uh one thing that we didn't mention that i think a lot of people are going to ask gpa how important is your gpa some firms will put on their websites a minimum gpa that they require in order to apply what are your thoughts on that so i um when i was in law when i was in law school when i was in 1l um i someone it's really interesting actually because when i was 1l um i took a course that our school offers that's like a evening course that's not you don't get a grade for it but it's supposed to help you like navigate your 1l year it's for like usually students who are either non-traditional or from diverse backgrounds, first generation, things like that. Um, And it gives you like tips and resources on like how to read for class, how to outline that kind of thing. And the Mm -hmm. one of the students who, and it's taught by other students. And so one of the students who was teaching it told us point blank, she was like, this is the GPA that most firms would like to see. And it makes it, 
it kind of makes it where your application at the very least will get through the first round, you know? Mm -hmm. And she told us what it was. And I was like, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Cause like for me, my whole goal just became, I'm going to get at least this GPA. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, this year I found that, um, our classmates who were like serving that like 2L, 3L guidance role were very hesitant to share that GPA with students. And I don't know if it was like a projection kind of thing or, uh, what, but I liked knowing what that GPA was. And like, luckily I was able to achieve that GPA, but, um, I know a lot of students who didn't get that number and still what got is the jobs. Number? The, oh, sorry. 3.5. 3.5 mm-hmm. is what I'd heard. And we are from a school that's within the T16. So I would say um, you have to kind of assess what that GPA looks like coming from the school that you're at. So like if you're like at um, a T five school that GPA might look a little bit differently um mm-hmm. or if you're like a T50 school that might look a diff- little different um it you know and also depending on your background like it, there are other factors are at play but a lot most schools and the students who go to those schools and the administrations know what the GPA looks like for your school that will get you kind of in the door and you know? on that note there are firms that like to hire from specific schools, whether or not they are in the T20, T50, like the firm that I'm at, we have students who are at T3. We have, yeah, we had interns who were at from T3 schools and interns who were from, you know, T80. I don't even know if you put a T there, but they, it was just a really wide range. So I wouldn't say disqualify yourself because of your school ranking. Oh no, absolutely not. There's so much that, and I'm not saying that's what you said, but there's so much that goes into it. Like that's why they want to interview you and get to know you. Now, some employers do look for the most elite. You are either at one of the top drink schools or you are in the top 10% of your class. I did not have the minimum GPA required that, well, that a lot of employers look for, but I still landed like a pretty good job. Um, Why that is, I don't know. I thought about asking, but I don't want them to think that I have this imposter syndrome. I know you don't like that term, but um, I didn't have, I was below what they were looking for average, um, but I still had, I still had interest from law firms. And also with this being said, I received my job a week after our grades were released, or maybe it was like two weeks, but I received an offer before grades released were released. And then they uh, physically mailed me the offer after grades were released. I think it's just to make sure that I didn't have like a two point something. And for full transparency to be in good standing at our school, you have to have above a 3.0 to be in good academic standing. So it may have been to make sure that I was still in good academic standing, but regardless, Um, It is possible to interview and go through the process before your grades are released, if that's something that you're worried about, um, depending on the timing, of course. But grades aren't everything. Yeah, I was going to say some firms, some firms, some organizations, because we're focused on firms, because I think that's where we are. But I like I have friends and I've also gone through the process of like public interest opportunities. So I know that they will hire you before your grades come out. Now, some Mm -hmm. of them will give you a contingent offer where they'll say, this is contingent upon you at least having like a passing grade point average by mm-hmm. the time we do get you on. Um, but like a lot of times they'll just hire you and they really don't care what your, some of them don't care what your GPA is because they're like, you're a strong candidate. But I have heard of some people, unfortunately, getting offers rescinded because Ooh. of a GPA situation. So it's really important to like check in and know what kind of firm or organization you're applying to, know what their expectations are of you um academically and otherwise um and just make sure that you have what you need to have together um as you go through that process but i've also always been the type to never let like a minimum if i let the minimum stop me i wouldn't be in law school you know I, Mm -hmm. i never let those like numbers on the websites fool me into thinking that I can't apply for the opportunity. So I I always just say go for it because you never know. Um, and I think that's where that like networking piece comes in a lot, like reaching out to people, talking to people, getting coffees with people, because people will 
some for some organizations, some firms, some places will be like, wow, this is such an amazing person. I'm not going to let a GPA stop us from having this person work with us, you know? And mm-hmm. so I think that it's, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's a very holistic experience, but I think that my biggest piece of advice going into this experience is know your strengths, know your weaknesses. So if you know you aren't maybe like the best at like networking and reaching out to people, try it anyway. But if it still doesn't feel right to you, maybe you should focus more on your GPA. You know, maybe you should make sure your grades are solid. But if you are a person who I've called myself before, like a personality hire, um, if you are a person, I don't like that you do that because you're so much more than a personality hire. I am, but I also, I can be charming. I can network with people. I can um, reach out to people and, you know, have great coffees or lunches or conversations and things like that. So it's like, I use that as a strength to help me get jobs or stay in jobs because I know that, you know, I'm not necessarily going to be the top ranked person um, that you're pulling in, but I will work hard I and mm-hmm. I will bring a lot to the table. And so I am able to express that to them. Um, and then they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, we'd love to have you, you know. And so yeah. it's like you have to just know what your strengths are. Play up those. Know what your weaknesses are. Play those down. Make your strengths outweigh those, you know. Yeah. And don't be a robot. Like it is not just about grades. They want to hire. Well, at least a lot of firms want to hire well-rounded people. If, if, you know, if your grades aren't the strongest, put emphasis on the affinity orgs that you're a part of or the leadership skills that you have or other things that are on your resume. And honestly, even if your grades aren't the strongest, that second semester, spring semester is an opportunity to work on your grades. They just want to see improvement. Like my grades improved drastically after the fall semester. Um, And there's an upward trend there. So they just want to see that. Uh, but I think the last thing, since we're on this topic, if you are in a position where maybe you don't get your first pick or you're not getting, um, or you're getting a lot of offers, like how do you balance that? I think you did really well at that. I went with the firm that interviewed me first because I loved them. I loved everyone that I met, but I know that you sought out, sought out a lot of offers and did some negotiating. Yeah, so I am a, um, as many eggs I can fit in the basket, I put them in there and then I sort them out later, you know? And so I always apply to like a ton of stuff. Like I have to. Um, and so I had applied to a variety of areas. I did a di- couple of different regions, different things, because I wanted to be able to see like, what was this really like? So I applied, I had offers from like a very traditional, like big law firm, um, and then I got an offer from my the firm I'm at, and then I got an offer from a couple of public interest opportunities, and then I got a couple of other like offers. And for me, um, culture is super important. Like, I was really like, do I want? I know big law hours are long. Would I want to be working with these people? And there were some firms that just gave me, and organizations that just gave me such weird vibes that I was like, mm-hmm. I don't like. I I don't know if this is like another number type of thing. Um, one thing I always say for me that is very important is the diversity of people that are interviewing me. That kind of helps uh, me make 100%. a decision. That helps me make a very easy decision because I'm like, if you could not find a single, and there were a lot of places I interviewed with that were like this. I was like, if you cannot find a single person of color or woman or woman of color to interview me and a black person would be great. But like, if you can't even find a single person of color who is available for this interview slot, I don't want to be there because that means you have one or two because, or none. And I was just like, I don't want to be the only at a place and I just can't do that. And so I was like, that those were easy no's for me. I was like, no, they don't value diversity. They might be asking me about a diversity scholarship. They don't value it for real. Um, and then can I just add something to that? Mm-hmm. Just in terms of things to look out for. Also, look, even if there is a diverse hire in front of you or somebody who's outwardly diverse, ask them if they are happy. Mm-hmm. It is hard to for people to lie on the spot, or they'll lie and they'll give you a very generic answer. See through that. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to know is even if you know they are like, Oh, we support diversity, this is what diversity looks like. People will give weird answers. Like um, I was asking people what Black History Month looked like at their firm. And one woman was like, oh yeah, it's usually 
it puts people in a position where they're teaching us about black culture and what it means like the black experience and for me that is a flag because that means that you are not celebrating the black people in your office you're like hey black people teach us and I don't Mm -hmm. feel like teaching I've outgrown that um so just keep an eye out for those things if you're going to be a token yeah I I totally agree and so like that takes me to like the next thing which is like um a lot of 1L summer opportunities at firms specifically are diversity opportunities. Um, and so because 1L opportunities are kind of scarce at firms, they have one or two 1L positions a lot of times. And so they tend to be diversity opportunities. Sometimes that just means they call you a diversity scholar and they put you in LCLD and that's it. Other times that means that they offer you money in addition to that. So in addition mm-hmm. to your base salary, which everyone makes, you can also get a diversity scholarship, which I did. And um, I think we I both like did. Hard. Oh, you did too? Okay, I didn't know that. Man, that right. and, so, and so I like to play a little hardball. I like to negotiate a little bit, be like, I got a lot of other things going on. And so my firm, I was able to um, get a pretty hefty diversity scholarship that spans over the course of three years um, with increasing value every year. Do you care Um, to share specific numbers so people know like what is available? I'll share mine. uh, I didn't get as much as you. Yeah. If you want to share yours first and then. Yeah. 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 I, I got, um, I was offered 25,000 and that was because I was a LCLD scholar. Um, if you can try to get them to give it to you as a scholarship, because mine was treated as a bonus check, it was taxable. I am not I, a tax lawyer. I'm going to be honest. I don't think that they can. Um, I, so if your firm can, if someone, if you I can care, ask, if you find a firm, yeah, you could ask. Cause I asked and my firm was like, our tax department said, absolutely not. And so I think, I think that most firms are probably like our tax department says, absolutely. And, um, in terms of the dollar amount, you can negotiate. Everything is negotiable. Um, your career center should tell you this. You don't have to accept on the spot, uh, when they give you a return offer, this is getting into like the summer, but if they offer you money beforehand, it is negotiable. All of my mentees receive, well, with the exception of one, because she already had a job, but all of them received scholarship money. And I told them to p- pit the firms that offered them money against each other and let them know what you're being offered. One, uh, she was initially offered $50,000 and then they upped it by $20,000. You can get a lot of money. Mm-hmm, that is somebody's absolutely. salary. That is a lot of money. And that's on top of what you're being paid. Yeah. And mine um, totals out to be at the end of it, $60,000. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's paid in increments. So like my first year I got 10,000 at the end of this year, I will get 20,000. Um, Mm -hmm. and then if I return, um, actually 25,000. And then if I returned, I'll get another 25,000. Hey, we love to see it. Um, And so it is text. So it's really like half of that, but, um, it is a great opportunity. So I, if you can find something like that at a place that you think you would enjoy being at, I would highly recommend it. I would highly, highly, highly recommend um, mm-hmm. applying for scholarships, pitting them against each other, saying, hey, I got this other opportunity, got this other scholarship, what can we do? Um, one caveat to that is um, because my scholarship is like increasing every year. I, and we can talk about this later in another episode, but like sometimes after your, during your 1L summer and sometimes after it, students will, what they call split summers, which is where you work at one place for half the summer or six weeks. And then you work at another place for like four to six weeks. Um, Because of my scholarship, I I can't split summers, but that's okay for me. Um, And I did have the opportunity as a part of my firm, um, there, so um, there are sometimes companies that are big and they have a lot of um, firms that they work with. And so there are companies like Meta does this. Um, I think Hewlett Packard does it, like HP. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, some other, some sports organizations do it. But organizations that have like a lot of firms that they work with, they will offer an opportunity for students to come 
work in-house as a part of their 1L summer for part mm-hmm. of the summer. Um, and so I, I know a couple of our classmates who I actually saw in the program had the opportunity to do it as well, where their firms allowed them to not only get that firm experience, but like for um, like ours was like two weeks, but sometimes it's two to three weeks also yeah, that go was to an in-house opportunity. Oh yeah. I forgot you did it too. So go to an in-house opportunity <laughs> as well. I'm sorry. I know a lot about you, but I forgot all of this. Yeah, I did. Um, And that was something some people ask, like, how did you get this? Honestly, I should have kept it more quiet or at my firm because it wasn't offered to everyone. The hiring partner who got me my job really set the Black attorneys or Black interns up for success. So we got first pick of the two-week externships. Um, I went to an organization where I really got to dive into cybersecurity, um, which was really cool. It actually made me rethink what practice area I wanted to go into. Um, but in addition to that, I didn't love the, the culture of the organization that I was at. And it's something that I was very open with about to the firm about. So they gave me an extra week. So I got a nice little extra week of pay because I was like, I didn't mm-hmm. get to hang out with the practice groups that I wanted. Um, but I think we can get into kind of that 1L summer experience later, but something I did want to make sure to throw out there and make sure that people know this is something you should ask. Not all firms hire the amount of interns that they want to bring back. So if you are under, don't make assumptions. If you are interviewing, it is totally appropriate to ask the firm if they are hiring more interns than they intend on giving callbacks to or like offers back to. Um, Cause that lets you know how, how competitive the summer will be um, and whether you should be looking for other jobs. Well, you should always be looking for other jobs, you know, get out there, test the waters. But I've talked to some classmates who did not get return offers from their job because their firm did not intend on hiring everyone that summered there. Um, something I also wanted to mention in terms of grades, um, we know people who got jobs with two somethings. So, you know, anything is possible. Don't give up on yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. Law school's already hard and the rest of the world will be hard on you. There's no reason to be hard on yourself. Yeah, honestly, I think this is a great place to end. That's a beautiful note. Don't be too hard on yourself. You'll do this. It'll work out. Um, But to close out, please send us anything you would like for us to discuss or any questions that you have. We are happy to help. Both of us work in admissions. We have mentees. Um, we just want everyone to be great. So you can email us any suggestions at TWO Black Lawyers, two black lawyers at gmail.com. <laughs> I don't know why I spelled the two. That's funny <laughs> to me. Um, two black lawyers at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow us. It's hard for us to determine, you know, if we're doing well, if we're making content that you all like. So if you're enjoying these episodes, the things that we're talking about, follow us on whatever streaming service you use. And also like, comment, share. Just let us know. Let us know what you're thinking. I think that's for YouTube. You can you can call, you can do that on leave reviews on um, Spotify and things too. Oh, that's great. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. Bye. Back again up in this motherfucker. Entertain it for you motherfuckers. Come on, and you get this double double. Hope I'll make sure you're